Hello everybody and welcome to Garage Days at Gwinnett Tech. My name is Robert Bauman. I'll be your host. I am the program director for the General Automotive Program here at Gwinnett Technical College. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for following along and showing interest in future episodes. If you are new to our podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to our first few episodes where we talk about the automotive industry through the eyes of an educator and an educational institution. And if you want to find out more about Gwinnett Technical College, please visit the school's website at gwinnetttech.edu, and there you'll be able to find out about all the 140 programs that we have available where we're located, and you can follow the links to the Automotive Technology Program where you can contact one of us if needed. This episode is going to be interesting. I'm calling it Work Ethic State of Mind. You know, we can teach nuts and bolts to these students on how to fix these cars and how to keep up with this ever-changing technology, but in my opinion, good work ethic is just as important as having the technical knowledge to work on cars. Work ethic sometimes will make or break whether you have a successful career or you have a hard time remaining employed. So we're going to talk about what work ethic means and how we try to teach our students that good work ethic foundation moving forward. Well, just what is work ethic? Well, work ethic can mean a lot of different things. I don't like to use the term work ethic so much as the term professionalism. You can be the smartest guy in that shop, but if you are not dependable, if you're mistake prone, and you lack the discipline, you can be out of a job faster than you know what hit you. This industry has rapidly changed. The image has gotten better. So we have to up the game of our professionalism. All of our instructors, myself included, have had successful careers. Yes, we are very knowledgeable in automotive, but we also have very good work ethic. You know, I have been in this industry for 30 years, and I've never collected a day of unemployment. And I like to think that's not only because of my automotive knowledge, but because when I am hired by an employer, they see that work ethic and that professionalism and that pride that I bring to the workplace. You know, most people's work ethic journey begins at home. I was brought up in a home where my father was a very, very hardworking man. He's been in the financial industry his whole life. And there were times where the industry did take a hit and he had to step away from finance and get a different job in order to keep food on the table and the bills paid and a roof over our head. And my father never shied away from any kind of job as long as it provided for the family. And when times were good, I always remembered my father getting up every morning, being clean-shaven, dressed really nice, and leaving the house early to go to work. And then working the whole day and coming home at the end of the day and telling us a little bit about the workday. And it always just seemed to be so busy. And I remember my father working on the weekends sometimes to meet a deadline for Monday morning. And my mother took that work ethic that my father did, and she spread that work ethic knowledge to us kids growing up, starting very young with chores around the house, to once we reached school age, she used that work ethic knowledge to guide us through school. 
You know, we would come home and you had to do your homework before you could go out and play. And if your teacher told you that an assignment was due by Friday, well, she made sure that we had it done by Thursday. And once we got to the age where we picked up our first sort of high school jobs, as everybody calls them, my mother made sure that we honored whatever commitment we had. One of the first jobs that I had was cleaning up an automotive repair shop. It was my Uncle Kevin's automotive shop. And I just cleaned the floors and I would get stuff for the technicians. But if my Uncle Kevin told me to be there between 8 and 1 o'clock, my mother made sure I was there at 7.45 and I worked until 1.15. And if my Uncle Kevin said to sweep, I swept. And if he said to put stuff on the shelf, I put stuff on the shelf. And I completed all those jobs before I left for the day. And then after completing high school, I chose to go into the Army. And if you know anything about serving in the military, the military is very work ethic driven. If they tell you that you have Reveille at 1630, at 1631, you're doing push-ups if you're there that late. And that's considered late. When they tell you to be somewhere at 1600, they're really meaning be there at 1530. And if you don't, there's consequences. So they took that work ethic foundation I had from my parents and really, really built on that and hammered it home so that now the rest of my career, I don't know any other way to work. But I think that that was a very large contributing factor to my successful career. The automotive industry has evolved a lot since I first started. When I first started, and even when I was a kid before I became a technician, the industry didn't have a very good reputation. And mechanics were looked at as these dirty guys who worked on the ground and they got filthy. And and then you saw cars in the driveways all over the place with people working on them themselves. And it was like, wow, this industry really isn't that complicated. And it's just these dirty, hard-working, you know, blue-collar, salt-of-the-earth people. And then we had terms like grease monkey. You've heard of that. And people also calling us mechanics. Well, I talked in one episode about how we don't refer to ourselves as mechanics anymore. We're technicians. And we dock our students points if they refer to themselves as a mechanic. And as the cars got more complicated and they got more expensive and people couldn't work on them in their garage anymore and the technology kept evolving and evolving, well, that greasy, dirty mechanic, he evolved And he became a technician who exuded a lot of professionalism in this industry. And that professionalism combined with work ethic, combined with knowledge of this technology, has kept this industry alive and thriving for all of these years. So now that we know what work ethic is and what professionalism is in our industry, well, how do we as educators teach that to our students or get them into that habit? You know, we're not like the private sector. If they don't show up on time or they don't clean up after themselves or or they don't get a job done on time, we can't just fire them. But we do have means in place so that there is a consequence if they don't show good work ethic or professionalism. It starts by getting to class on time. I learned a long time ago when I had one of my first jobs, my employer said to me, your hours are from eight to five. That's not a suggestion. You will be here and work from 8 to 5. And it's funny because almost 30 years later, I still use that expression for my students. 
If class is from 10 to 145, well, guess what, students? That is not a suggestion. You will be here from 10 to 145. So typically, we start out our classes. If it's a 10 o'clock class, it starts at 10 in the morning. We start talking. I give my monologue, kind of like Jay Leno, to warm up my pipes for class. And then at 10.15 or 10.20, I pull up the attendance sign-in sheet. And I give the students their first break. Now, I do allow them that extra 15 or 20 minutes because, you know, parking on our campus sometimes can be a challenge. And because of the area that we're located, the traffic can get quite heavy. But after that 15 or 20 minutes after class starts, that attendance sheet comes up. If you come in after that, guess what? You don't get to sign in and you lose credit for that day. Now, you can stay and you can listen to the lecture or listen to what we're doing in class and you can participate, but you're just not going to get credit for it. And if you decide that you're going to be slick and you come in on time in the morning and then we move from the classroom to the lab and at that point you decide, now nah, I've had enough, I'm going to go home and you don't finish the class, you lose the points for that day as well. Now in a 16-week semester, if you do a lot of that, it will start to negatively affect your grade. And we do that because we want to show these students that there is a consequence. So hopefully by the time they get to their employer, they know what it means to be on time. The other thing that we do is we require our students to dress properly. Closed-toed shoes, no shirts or hats with profanity on them. Your hair, if you have longer hair, it has to be tied back. You cannot wear jewelry. And we decided, you know, we're going to take it one step further. And we got with our advisory board and we talked about getting t-shirts for all of our students. And each t-shirt will, each student will be issued a certain number of t-shirts at the beginning of their time with our program. And when they come to class, they wear those t-shirts. And we kind of came up with some catchy logos. We haven't really finally approved anything yet. But you know how sometimes you see the gym t-shirts where they say property of Wow, we were going to do something like property of Gwinnett Tech Automotive and maybe have a couple of our sponsors' names on there from our advisory board. And not only does it make our students look more professional, but it makes them feel like they're a part of something. It makes them feel a little bit special. So we're going to do that so that our students even look more professional. One of the big things is this generation and, quite frankly, people nowadays, their phones are attached to them permanently. Well, we are requiring our students whenever they get into class and class starts that you have to switch your phone to silent or vibrate. We do not make them turn them off completely because some of our students have families or they have elderly parents or elderly people that are depending on them. And we would feel terrible if something bad happened and they could not be reached because we made them turn their phone off. So we make them put their phone on vibrate or silent, and if they get a call, they just get up and excuse themselves and walk out of the classroom or the lab, handle their business, and come back. Now, if we have a student who gets four, five, six phone calls a class, well, then we need to revisit that and figure out what the problem is. If a student is caught using his phone during class time, other than getting an emergency phone call, they lose points for that day in class. And if they are in the lab and they are using their phones for something that is not approved for classwork, which I'll get to in a little bit, we actually will send them home because then it becomes a safety issue. 
If a student is sitting there and he's looking at his phone and watching a video and we're lifting cars or moving cars around or using chemicals, it can become quite dangerous. Now, we do allow them to use their phones in the labs for two reasons. First of all, their phones can access uh, the, the learning management systems that we use to do task sheets. And they can also access ShopKey, which is our vehicle database, so they can perform their labs and do the service on these vehicles. We also encourage the students to use their phones to take pictures or short videos of what they are doing in class, in the lab, so that they can share that with friends and family. But beyond that, any type of phone use is prohibited. Once they are hired at a dealer, they will not be able to walk around with earbuds in and playing music and texting all day and watching videos while they're working on cars. So we get them into that mindset. Another thing that we always encounter in our industry is deadlines. You know, you diagnose the car, you go up to the service rider and you tell him what's wrong with it. And he determines the cost and he determines the approximate amount of time it's going to take to get that done. Then the service rider goes to the customer and says, sir or ma'am, this is what the repair is going to cost and we will have it done in approximately three hours or four hours or by the end of the day. Well, as a technician, that's a deadline. I have to get that done. Well, with our students, we try to implement that deadline criteria by opening up their homework and quizzes and then closing them at a certain time. So let's say, for instance, this week I discuss fuel systems. Well, their homework and quizzes for fuel systems will be done a week after I finish covering that in the classroom and lab. And after that time elapses, that module and quiz gets locked and the student no longer has access to it. So if the student did not get it done in a timely fashion, they lose the points for that. And again, in a 16-week semester, with the number of assignments we have, you miss too many assignments and it will start to negatively affect your grade. The other thing we do for work ethic and professionalism is we run our labs like a shop would be run. Right next to our tool room, we have a big rack and it is filled with floor mats and steering wheel covers and seat covers and fender covers and all this protective equipment to use when working on cars. Now, even though the students will be using our training vehicles, which, you know, we work on them so they've seen better days. We do require the students to use all of this protective equipment on the training vehicles. If they bring their own personal vehicles in to work on them, they will also use this protective equipment on their own personal vehicles. We want them to go to the dealership or go to the repair shop that they're going to get a job at, and this becomes second nature. Just like they're getting to work on time and they're completing a job when they're told it needs to be done. We want them to take care of the customer's cars like as if it's second nature. I have a saying. I look at the, at the students and I say, treat these cars like they are your own or treat them like they're your mother's car. Now, you wouldn't want to get grease all over them, so don't get grease on the customer's cars. The other thing that we do is we make the students at the end of class, if they have not finished a project, they have to put the vehicle up on the top of the lift, lock it up there, put a sign in the windshield, and disconnect the battery. And then they clean up their work area, sweep, mop any spills, wipe the tools off that they've used. 
If they've signed out any specialty equipment, they will return that equipment back in the condition that they received it. We don't expect them to do a deep clean every single day in class. That's just impractical. At the end of the semester, we usually have a big gathering and we clean the shop from top to bottom and front to back. But on a daily basis, they clean up their work area because we all know working in a shop ourselves, at the end of the day, that was the last thing I did before I went home was I cleaned my work area. And also by making sure that the vehicles are clearly marked that they're disabled, it does not allow other students, or if you're in a shop, other employees from working on that car that you may have a part to a certain point and you don't want anything messed with. And the last thing we do to help with work ethic and professionalism is we have a representative from Hennessy Automotive Group. You know, they're our largest partner and largest sponsor. We have a representative come in who's an HR specialist. Her name is Kristen, and she comes in for every intro class that we have. And she spends a day talking with the students. The students are required to print up a resume and bring it in, and Kristen will go over the resumes with them. She will also tell them what to do in an interview, questions to ask, how to dress, appearance, don't wear this, don't wear that, don't use your phones, and appropriate questions to ask to make them look more professional, make them look like they've got a really good work ethic. You know, an employer doesn't always want to hear just how much money am I going to make? What about, is there room for advancement? Is there room for, if, if, if I'm done with my work, can I watch a, a, a technician work on a car? Things like that. That shows that you really want to work in this industry long term. She also comes in and she gives mock interviews and asks them questions. They're acting like they're going to get a job. Now, Kristen does this with the understanding that not everybody's going to work for Hennessy, but she believes in the program, she believes in the industry, and she just wants to help these students get the tools they need to be successful. We also have a service manager come in at some point during the semester from one of the dealers that are partners of ours or the repair facilities that are partners of ours, and they will talk to the students about what would be expected once you get hired. If I tell you these are your work hours, this is what you have to do. This is how much you get for a lunch. This is how much time you get to clean up at the end of the day. This is typically what we expect of our employees when they interact with customers. And they're telling them this. This is real time. This is not coming from an instructor who may not have been in a shop for a few years. This is coming from people real time relevant in the industry. So that helps. We hope that these tools that we give them, along with the real tools that they purchase, will give them a great foundation and they will have the successful careers that many of us have had. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you kind of understand our perspective on work ethic and professionalism. I hope that this episode gave you an understanding of how we try to implement that work ethic to our students. And I hope it also gave you an idea about how much we really care about these kids. And we don't want to just teach them the nuts and bolts. We want to give them tools from our personal lives and our personal careers that have given us the success that we have. Now, our next episode, that's a really nice one. I'm looking forward to that. I'm calling that one, The Importance of Manufacturer Support. 
Um, I talked at the very beginning that we have a lot of manufacturers that support our program. Nissan, Infiniti, Subaru, Audi. And we're going to talk about what they give to the program, what they expect from us, and what they make available to our students. And I think you're going to be quite surprised to see how much these manufacturers are involved with technical colleges and a program like ours to give students these great opportunities. I always tell these students, you know, I wish I had these opportunities when I was starting 30 years ago. But that shows you how much the industry has evolved and how important these students are moving into the future of the auto industry. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate your time. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, if you want any information about the college, you can visit the college's website at gwinnetttech.edu or you can email me, rbauman at gwinnetttech.edu with any questions you might have or suggestions for future episodes or if you want to possibly come to our school and learn about cars. So thanks for listening again. I hope to hear from you soon. Spread the word. But remember, no matter what, technicians keep the world rolling.